At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Reveal, Stories with Purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. Well, just before we begin our study, you can, you can turn your Bibles to Luke 15 if you have brought them with you today. Um, but just before we begin, I just want to publicly thank uh, many of you for just how you've continued ministry over these last 14 weeks. I mean, our small group leaders have continued to connect us together in our, in our groups, and I know that hasn't been easy. Uh, it's been odd to do that through electronic means, so, so thank you for that. Thank you for those of you who have been blessing families with food. As I quickly calculated here this week... Um, a family in town has been blessed with a week of groceries, produce, dairy, um, meat products, I mean significant, significant uh, groceries. A family has been blessed in this Algonac region over 700 times over the past 14 weeks. I mean, that's, inc that's incredible how, how that's happened. Over 300 medical staff, first responders, frontline workers, city leaders have been given an awesome lunch from you um, because, of, because of our outreach team. Uh, that's just, just in this area here. Incredible. And, that, and, and plus, some, several of you have gotten cards and calls and gift cards. I heard somebody just blessing so many people with a gift card just to say, we love you, we thank, thank God for you. I mean, it's just amazing. You know, we made that statement way back when we first kind of shut down. We, we met up in, the, um, in the, the office building, right? There's about 25 of us or so that very first Sunday. And we made the statement... We're not closing church. We just can't gather for a while. And that has been so true. Church has not closed at Woodside Algonac. I mean, there has been evangelism. There has been um, edification. There has been discipleship. Uh, there has been the movement of the church. There's been progress in the kingdom of God over this time. And I'm just so grateful. I, I just love to just take a minute and just thank God for you. All right, can we pray? Father, I just, as I have a lot of my family here, Lord, I just want, I want you to look at them with that incredible, those, those eyes of love, Lord, and help them know how much we appreciate them. Lord, I thank you for the for the ministry that's continued to happen, for people who have taken initiative, for people who have responded to invitations, for people who woke up in the middle of the night with a thought in their mind and they took action, those that were driving in their car and you prompted them to do something and they did. And I thank you for that. Thank you for generosity. Thank you for people who have reached deeply into your blessings you've given to them and they've shared that blessing with, with others, Lord. Just thank you so much. Thank you for empowering your church to do great and mighty things. Even things that I have no clue about. Things that nobody else knows, but you know. Lord, we're so grateful. 
Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is even with us today and will take us on another step of this journey you've designed for us, Lord. So may you, may you work in this time, speak to us through your word. Lord, I pray that the story that we look at today would be transforming to us as we study it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, last week we started a study of the stories that Jesus told. The gospel writers called them parables. Uh, basically, a parable is a story that teaches a heavenly truth using um, this world examples, right? They're stories with a purpose. We're calling this series Revealed, as God reveals his truth to us, Revealed Stories with a Purpose. Uh, these stories were told by Jesus in an effort to help us know his father better or to help us understand the kingdom better or to give us a more accurate picture of ourselves or about his plan for our life. These stories are intended to move people from one place to another. Uh, they're, they're always stories of invitation offering to you more of an experience of the kingdom of God. So as we begin to look at these stories, I'd encourage you just to consider this thought. He's invited you. Will you step towards him? As we look at this story, would you step towards him to seek to understand where you fit in this story? The story was told by Jesus in an interesting context. Uh, in Luke chapter 14, it says that Jesus was teaching throughout the villages and a great crowd of people were beginning to gather around him. So lots of people were following, lots more people were hearing his stories. I mean, like his views on Facebook was skyrocketing, you know, just amazing. They, they went viral, right? I mean, this is his ministry in the world. Well, while that was happening, chapter 15 says that the religious people were becoming more upset. The more his popularity grew, the more their suspicions of him grew. Specifically, in this context, in this chapter, they became suspicious of him because of the people he let gather around him. They became suspicious of him because how could he be sent from God if he was welcoming the sinners, the people that was very obvious, they were very obvious, far from God. So how could somebody sent from God spend so much time with people clearly far from him? So he told him a story. Actually, he told him three stories in Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the third story. It's a story of the father and his two sons. Very appropriate for Father's Day. One more time, look to the closest dad and just whisper to them, thanks, dad. Right? Go ahead. Yes, yes, thanks for not disturbing, keeping it, keeping it quiet. That's, that's, that's very good. Thanks, dad, for all you do. Um, but let's look at this story about this dad and his two sons. This story is going to help us understand what kind of people the father welcomes into his love. If you've ever wondered what kind of people does God love, this story will help you understand this. There's the father, there's his two sons. The youngest son, 
as Sarah read in the story today, he was pretty much done with family. It doesn't really say why. Could be because he is tired of working. I mean, farming is hard work. And so he could be done with that. Could be done with dad telling him what to do. Nobody likes that the older you get. Teenagers, you do, I know, Stuart family. But most kids don't. Stuart's, I'm not going to mention that. Um, <laughs> right? So, so, you know, there's that pushback of what the experience is. You know, there is the world to explore. There is new things to experience. So this son became dissatisfied with just staying at home and doing his thing. So what does he do? Wanting to be large and in charge, he demanded that the father give him his inheritance. Now, this would have been shocking to that Jewish world because, first of all, the big problem was if this happened, this son would be putting his family's business in jeopardy. All right? I mean, some businesses have felt that over these last 14 weeks. Okay, just immediately, let's just cut our business in half. Right? There's some that are going to struggle reopening. There's some that are already declared we can't reopen because our business got cut in half. That's what this son was basically saying to his father. Dad, I want your business cut in half. I want to take it. The second reason it would have been shocking is because, in effect, it was the younger son saying to his dad, I'm kind of wishing you had died by now, but since you haven't, I want my stuff. There's few things less offensive and disrespectful to a father in this time than what just happened. But what's more shocking than his demands was the response of the father. The father chose to respond to his son's impatience with patience or his son's rebellion with generosity. So for some reason, the father divided the business in half. If it was some of us, we would have said, oh, you want half of it? Oh, your half just suddenly got smaller, right? Or what are you talking about? Don't be an idiot. Get back to work, right? That, that would have been our response, but not the father in this story that Jesus tells. This father divides the family business and sends his son with the proceeds from half probably with a very broken heart realizing the pain that his son was heading towards but the son walks away smart self-satisfied with pocket full of money and it didn't take long, according to the story, for him to squander his wealth. It says he squandered his wealth. The word literally means he scattered it abroad, lavishly, recklessly. It's a word in other parts of the scripture that, that describes the winnowing of the wheat. Remember that, that picture of the, um, in agriculture, you've, you harvested the sheaves of wheat and there, you beat them, beat them down and then you, with a pitchfork, you throw it up in the air and the wind will blow away the husk from the wheat and the seeds fall to the ground, right? As that farmer throws it up in the air, he's, he, that's the word for squander. He's throwing it up. 
lavishly just tossing it up in the air. That's what this son does with his money. Like it'll never run out. Like, there's, like it grows on trees, right? So he just spends, spends, spends. And he gets what he asks for. He gets friends. He gets pleasures that he's never had before. He has freedoms that he's never experienced before. So like, like so often happens, there is so much pleasure in sin. Those things that God says, no, this isn't for you. But when you taste of it, it's good. The problem is it doesn't last and it always comes with deep, destructive side effects. And that's what happens to the son. Doesn't take long after squandering his wealth that his wealth runs out. His money's gone, and so are his friends. And so is the joy that he thought this stuff was going to provide him. And then it gets worse a famine hits. Right? Now, God designed his Jewish society to be able to handle much of this. As he designed the, the tribes and the family units, they would support one another uh, through difficulties like a famine. But the problem with this young man is that he had burned his bridges. So he, he didn't have that support system like so many people would have had following God's way. So with that loss... The man finds this meager job of feeding pigs, finds shelter with them because he had nowhere else to go. He becomes so hungry that he tries to eat the food that the pigs are eating. He's not allowed. And so in that point in Jesus' story, he's, he's pointing to a man that had lost, lost his personal identity, lost his family identity. He lost his ethnic identity in his pursuit of freedom he found instead slavery. But in that misery, the text says, he came to his senses. Whether it's trying to steal one of the handfuls of slop from the pigs or something, there was a moment of time when he began to think about the life of, at his father's house where he realized even the servants are so much better than this. Maybe I should just go home and ask if I can be a servant. I can go to my dad and I can tell him, Dad, this is utterly ridiculous. I can't believe what I've done. Can I just, can I take the place of a servant? And so that's what he determined to do. Woke up the next morning, he heads home, formulating a speech as he goes. And that's when we get to the main character of the story. The main character is not this prodigal son, it's the father. A father that lavishly and generously loves his son. Some have called this the prodigal father because he scatters lavishly and recklessly his love for his son. So this father welcomes him back home. And, and it, did you notice in the story that the father comes running to him? This would have been another shocking part of the story because you get to a certain point in, in your dignity as a man that you just don't run anymore. Right, guys? <laughs> we just can't, right? Make, <laughs> unless, you get, unless you get a new knee and then you're going to run again. Well, then... <laughs> right. 
So this would have been a shocking image for them. What do you mean he goes running to his son? You just don't do that. But that's what this father, this prodigal father does for his son. He goes running back to him. And the ring and the robe and the hug and the kiss and the embrace and the party all illustrates this lavish squandering of love that the father expresses over this son that was lost and now is found, that was dead and yet's alive. This story powerfully communicates, illustrating the God with this father, illustrating, it's showing to us, communicating to us the type of people whom God love, welcomes into his family. God welcomes people who are far from him because of rebellion. He does. He was helping the religious leaders understand this is the father. He lavishly loves people who rebel against him. Now, this wasn't a new idea that Jesus was promoting. It was just a lost idea. Remember the Garden of Eden? Right, kids, you remember this story, right? God created the world. He made this beautiful garden, put Adam and Eve in the garden. And he said, now just don't eat from this fruit. And what did they do? Ate the fruit. They rebelled against God. One clear law. And they broke it. And they ran away from God. And what does the story tell us in Genesis chapter 3? It says, what does God do? He came looking for Adam. The father comes wandering around looking for the rebellious ones. That's what the father does. The prophets declared this. Ezekiel in chapter 18 and chapter 36 repeats this thought that God does not delight in the destruction of the wicked, but in their repentance. So repent and live, God says to the prophet Ezekiel. He doesn't like to punish. He doesn't like to destroy. God loves to restore and redeem and rescue. Micah chapter 7, Micah says, Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity because you delight in steadfast love? The apostles were deeply moved by this. Remember um, Paul's writing in Romans chapter 5, he says, but God demonstrated his love for us that while we were really on a good track and we kind of cleaned up our lives and finally got clean enough, he loved us. No, God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Do you see yourself in the younger son? Running from God, pushing him away? Maybe even this past weekend, as you look back on what you did or said or experienced or chose, you would say, wow, does God still love me after this? Can I tell you? It's just who he is. He runs to those who are rebellious that are turning to him. It's what he loves to do is to rescue those who are wandering. The story communicates to us how often we are that prodigal son, that younger son, who has so much that's been given to us and still we turn away and we go after our own way like a sheep going his own way. They has a, even though he has a good shepherd that leads us to green pasture and protects us from the enemy, we think, no, I think I know better. 
And so he goes somewhere else. The shepherd loves his sheep even in that condition. And he reaches to them and draws us back. But the story doesn't end there, does it? There's more to a story. In fact, I don't know if we got to the main point of the story yet. There's this older brother, this one that's been working really hard, probably extra hard, right? Because brother's not here to shoulder half the load. He's on his way home after a long day in the fields when he hears the music. He smells the barbecue. So he asks the servant, what in the world's going on? And finds out that his brother came back. Worse, the father's throwing a party for his brother. Which ticks him off. In fact, he got so mad, he wouldn't even go into the house. So what does the father do? Fine. It's our party. Is that what it says? Uh-uh. I don't know if you noticed this before. So the father came out and entreated him. So the father, who had every right to say, fine, you don't want the party, you don't get the party. The father goes out to him. Get this, number two. The father welcomes those who are far from him because of their righteousness. He does. In, in essence, Jesus was saying to these religious people that were hardening their heart against him is that the Father is entreating you. Every time Jesus tells a story, it's another invitation to turn back, but their hearts were hardened. They closed their minds to him, and so they moved further away. But the Father was reaching out to them. Jesus was inviting them to experience the kingdom like he ex- invites us. Some of us in this moment are thinking, I'm kind of like that righteous, self-righteous son. How is righteousness, how can righteousness be like rebellion? Well, well, think of this. When I do right things, do I have this attitude of, okay, Father, it's time for you to kind of take care of me because look what I've done. I've done these good things. So when bad things happen to me, it just doesn't seem right. Because my, surely my good behavior has entitled me to good response from you. Like we're trying to control God. Can you think of a more offensive action to the sovereign creator than trying to control him by our doing good things? Jesus was saying, those of you that are self-righteous, that think that you can earn the favor of the heavenly father, you are far from him. But the point of the story is the father reaches out to them also. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 says, He saved us not because of our works done in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't that incredible? That he saved us not because of good things we did, but because of his mercy and his grace so that we would become heirs. 
His, his love for us, as A.W. Tozer says, is an incomprehensibly vast, bottomless, shoreless sea. Because God is self-existent, his love has no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love has no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, it is the quintessence of spotless purity. In other words, God loves you a whole lot. And he's running after. He's running after. He's running after you. You say, well, I know, but I keep running away. He's running after you. Our response simply is turning from our self-righteousness or our sin, and he's there. Repentance, turning to a new direction is what he's calling for his kids to do. Which leads us to that very important question this morning. Are you coming to the party? Are you coming to the party? No, it doesn't. You can't be too wayward for God to invite you. No, you can't rebel way too far. Right? If, he, if you're hearing his invitation, know that his, his longing is for you to return. And know your performance doesn't grant you a place. You don't deserve a place at his party. Regardless of where you're at in this story, it requires your humble response. Here's the thing that God requires. Humility. Here's what keeps people from experiencing God's grace Experiencing his love is that they're unwilling to humble themselves before him. They think that actually I'm okay. Eh, A little help once in a while, that would be good, but really I'm doing okay. God says, "Then then this party's not for you. I want you here. Only those who humble themselves before the Father can experience the benefits of his saving grace. Is this the day where you come to your senses? Whether as a righteous person or as a rebellious person, is this the day where your eyes are opened? Ah, I need to come back to him. I need to return to his embrace. We want to celebrate that with you. One of the reasons why I encourage you to keep that communication, digital communication card open on your phone is just so it'd be really easy for you just to, in a few moments later today, just to text, just to fill that out because it comes to me, just so you know, it comes to me. Where, and you could simply say, I return to Jesus today or I accepted his love or I humbled myself before God today. I encourage you to do that so I can rejoice with you, I can celebrate with you and maybe I can even help somehow providing a resource, a direction for how to continue to take those steps because the party's great. It's, it's, it's so much better than anything the world has to offer. I encourage you to do that. And, that, and maybe, maybe all of us, let's be thinking then. As the family of God, let's say that we have come to the party. Have you noticed how easy it is to look with a critical spirit towards those who haven't been cleaned up in areas that we have? Have you noticed that? I mean, we all got faults. Sometimes we'd admit that, but but it's true. 
We all have shortcomings. We all have things that God still needs to work out in our life. But how easy it is to listen to Satan's voice to say, yeah, but look at his or hers. They're messed up in that area. And so we criticize and condemn and somehow we, lift, we feel like we're lifting ourselves up a little bit because we can look down on them in that area. And hopefully this story from Jesus is saying to us, none of us are entitled to condemn anybody at the party because all of us are only there by his grace. None of us stay there because of our deeds. None of us get there because of our deeds. Only his grace and his mercy. Listen to um, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. <laughs> That's pretty clear. Right? When I'm the standard and look around here, uh, that's kind of saying, I'm a fool. Yep, if I make myself the standard, that means I'm the fool. All right, Paul says, I found, look to the image of Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's where the party comes to life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your incomprehensible love. Lord, thank you for the shoreless sea of your grace and mercy. Lord, thank you for a, such a simple story that helps us understand your extravagant love and grace. Father, I know that all of us continue to struggle in this pursuit of living fully in the kingdom, Lord, and we know that every taste of the kingdom is a gift of grace, and we just want to treasure that today. I thank you for allowing us to hear your story, to consider the story, and consider how this affects our life. And I pray you'd speak to us even in this moment as we start to reflect on how our lives should change. We opened our hearts to you, Lord. We said to you, we want you to speak to us. So now, Lord, clarify what you have for us in this moment. We love you so much. We're thankful for salvation. Thank you for your son who gave his life on the cross so that we could have a space at your table in your party. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship him. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.